0: I want you to just describe, how did you feel? What was going through your head? Did you see yourself
1: as a kid, as a teenager, getting to where you got? I just always knew I wanted to play basketball, so I think I did a great amount of daydreaming and time, really putting myself in the shoes of being in the NBA and just trying to experience every feeling of it. did my best to try to mentally make up the idea of getting to the NBA. Everything else kind of just followed once I kind of seen it in my mind. And it was very tangible and I could feel it. It was a journey that became easier to go down.
0: Hi, I'm Vishen Lakiani, founder of Mind Valley, the school for human transformation. You're listening to the Mind Valley Podcast, where we'll be bringing you the greatest teachers and thought leaders on the planet to discuss the world's most powerful ideas and personal growth for mind, body, spirit, and work. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Mind Valley Podcast today's guest is none other than Reggie Jackson of the LA Clippers. So Reggie had reached out to me a couple of months ago, and it turned out that his coach had introduced him to the six-phase meditation, the meditation that I invented and popularized through Valley. And Reggie, just like many other sports stars, had been using the six-phase meditation to improve his performance. And so I got on a call with him. He came on Instagram live, and we had the most incredible conversation on how this young man. So when Reggie was 25 years old, he was offered an eighty million dollar five-year contract for the Detroit Pistons. He played the Detroit Pistons and then transitioned to the LA Clippers. That is an amazing accomplishment for a 25-year-old man. And I wanted to find out what was his process? So many people dream of being a sports star, but what did Reggie do different? What did he visualize? How did he meditate? What was his life philosophy? How did he integrate Mind Mindvalley and the six-phase meditation into his lifestyle? This is the conversation you're going to hear. Now, keep in mind, this is going to be slightly fuzzy, a little bit fuzzy in terms of audio quality, because this was originally an Instagram Live on Mind Valley. Now, before we get to the conversation with Reggie, I want to also share with you that my new book, The Buddha and the Badass, is now out. And I want to encourage you to go check it out. You can learn more on mindvalley.com forward slash Buddha badass. I specialize in teaching the world's top performers, including sports stars like Reggie Jackson and many other elite CEOs and so on, how to apply their spirituality at work. What I mean by this is how to listen to your intuition, how to access flow states, how to bend reality, how to be in a state that I call unfuckwithable. The Buddha and the Badass talks about how to activate the Buddha within you to complement the badass within you. And by Buddha, I mean your spiritual archetype, your spiritual core. By badass, I mean that essence inside you to go there and score new points in the game, to build a product that can change the world, to take your business to the next level. So, check out the book at mindvalley.com forward slash Buddha Badass. B U D D H A B A D A S S. And I want to let you know that for those of you who order the book right now, there are so many exciting bonus gifts coming up. And one of the most exciting is this if you order five copies of the book, you end up getting Mind Valley's most expensive program of the year completely free. It's a program called Be Extraordinary at Work. It is a six-week live coaching program by me. Typically, this program was for elite CEOs and for managers and leaders. It was originally going to be a seminar, but with quarantine, I had to scrap the idea of a seminar, turn it into a Zoom coaching program. It was initially $5,000 when it was a seminar. And now, as a Zoom coaching program, we dropped the price to $500, but it is completely free for just five copies of the book right? So you get a copy for yourself. You get four copies to give a friend and you get the program free. You can learn more at mindvalley.com forward slash Buddha badass. Now let's go on with Reggie Jackson. Hey, Reggie, how are you? Doing well. Amazing. Amazing. So there's so many amazing things to ask you about, Reggie. I know it must be tough as an athlete right now going through quarantine.
1: How are you holding up? Uh, it's been extremely difficult, especially being mid-season for myself, going from Detroit, coming to Los Angeles Clippers, and then everything shut down has been kind of tough. But just trying to stay steady, stay ready as possible, keep my mind fresh, continue to work on myself, my growth, and keep my body right, and then whenever we all get back to some normalcy, i am just be ready. Are you in Los Angeles or Detroit right now? I'm in Los Angeles right
0: now. Awesome.
1: That's cool. How are you enjoying L.A.? I'm enjoying it. Definitely miss my house in Detroit. At a time like this, you know, I definitely had a lot more set up, but getting things under control now, enjoying this weather, enjoying the area and just enjoying my downtime. That's awesome. That's awesome. See, I know the weather in Detroit because I spent
0: four years studying at Ann Arbor in Michigan. So I was just 45 minutes south of Detroit. I spent four years there. Some of the craziest winters I can ever remember, like minus 40 degrees with wind
1: chill. That was like a common thing. Yeah, I didn't get above zero my first Two weeks, I got traded to Detroit, so yeah, it gets pretty cold and pretty brutal, but I enjoyed it being a homebody. You just celebrated your birthday two weeks ago, right? Yes. Okay, and you turned 30 years old. Uh, yeah, I've been fortunate enough to see the big three out.
0: Oh, awesome. So here's my question for you, and everyone watching, there are about 328 people watching right now. Question for you. When you were 25, so five years ago in 2015, you signed an $80 million contract for five years to play with the Detroit Pistons. That is freaking amazing for a 25 year old. I want you to just describe, how did you feel? What was going through your head? Did you
1: see yourself as a kid, as a teenager, getting to where you got? I believe I always envisioned myself playing basketball. It was something I saw as a young kid, my family played. And then when I saw the NBA, I just knew it was something I wanted to do. I didn't know The livelihood or being able to take care of your family was a benefit of everything, so I'm very blessed and thankful for that. But I just always knew I wanted to play basketball, so I think I did a great amount of daydreaming and time spending, really putting myself in the shoes of being in the NBA and just trying to experience every feeling of it, make sure every game that I play, just try to experience. Always try to envision those before me and just did my best to try to mentally make up the idea of getting to the NBA. Everything else kind of just followed. I continued to work very hard. But once I kind of seen it in my mind and it was very tangible and I could feel it, it, it was a journey that became easier to go down. So my question to you is this, right? I want you to tell us about your inner game because
0: one of the things I appreciate about you is you're an advocate of meditation. I think you'd reached out to me to say you practice the sixth phase. You're an advocate of meditation. I know you probably do mental rehearsal. What was that inner game like for you when you were trying to make it to the NBA? What was that inner game like for you as a young man growing up, dreaming of playing basketball?
1: I think the inner game really was just getting attached with the emotion, really watching film tape from what my dad had, enjoying. I think the last the last dance documentaries, everybody's probably seeing a lot of people right now. So around that era, that's my dad was very into basketball, into those teams. So I got to watch those highlights a lot. I got to watch replays, trying to envision myself being, you know, like, always being outside, being Jordan or being Ron Harper or, You know, Scotty Pippen, so um, just making up fun games. I knew basketball was a passion, and as a kid, I think the best thing about being a kid is your imagination. I allowed mine to run wild and play so many games in my head that, like I said, I've already, I felt like I experienced it. I'd already been here, and then now, I think when you get older, things get a little blurrier, so you have to continue to practice meditation, practice being able to tap into your imagination, your inner self to kind of live out these moments so that it makes it easier to attain but as a kid it was just very easy i I couldn't do anything else but honestly think about basketball i had my brother who did a great job of influencing me with with staying in school with reading really he's always worked with my mind so i've been very blessed to have somebody my older brother travis do those for me but i've been trying to get back to that kid self to just make sure i'm when i'm not being present and the times that I do spend on reflecting or the times I do spend on um, envisioning my future, I really delve into them and just be very childlike again. So the six phases have helped. And it's just helped me kind of refine my passion because i experienced some injuries from that five-year time after I had signed that contract. It was a little tough, but the more I kept practicing my mind, I had about, I missed two seasons where it was like half a season. So really where I kind of sat down and worked on myself and refound my passion by just living out the game in my mind, even though I couldn't play. I want to touch on two things there,
0: your injuries, right? And I want to understand your mental framework and how you got through that. So we're going to come to that in a moment, but let's talk about that in a gate. Now, this is why it's so interesting to me. There is a study. So all of you listening, I think you're going to really, really, really find this fascinating. There's a study by an Australian psychologist called Alan Richardson on visualization in the game of basketball. He took three groups of people, and group A, they had to practice on a court for 20 minutes a day. These were not like basketball stars like you. They were just ordinary people. Group A, they had to practice on a court for 20 minutes a day. Group B, they just had no practice. They were the control group. And group C, they had to sit down, meditate, and visualize themselves shooting hoops for 20 minutes a day. They had to bring in feeling, bring in visualization, see themselves shooting hoops. So then they took all three groups to an actual court to see what was their improvement in free throws. Now, obviously, group B, no improvement because they had no practice. But let me ask you this, and Reggie, I'd love for you to play along. How much of an improvement would you think group A saw in their free throw ability? I think they would make a jump. Like, Of course, they would get better by putting in time and experience. Yeah, so they saw a 25% improvement, right? Now, they were actually on the court practicing for 20 minutes every day. They saw a 25% improvement in their free throw ability. Now, let's go to Group C. Group C was the one who did nothing but mental rehearsal. They saw themselves shooting hoops in their mind. How much would you guess Group C improved? Probably 25% as well. Well, you're very, very, very correct. It was 24%, right? So it was within the statistical margin of error, 24%. Which And this leads to a really interesting thing. I don't know if Alan Richardson did a follow-up study, but what was fascinating is that the people rehearsing in their mind improved just as much as the people in the car. It's just fascinating when you think about it. Nobody could really answer why. Nobody really knows why this works. But I'd love to just ask you, why would you think something like this
1: is true? Because uh, I think the mind obviously creates, like it just creates everything. The more we create in our mind, then the easier our reality outside is to shape so and I kind of know it from experience because in the NBA it's very fast paced 82 games in a matter of like five months so you, sometimes you have four games in a week like two games in two days you're flying across the world and it's very difficult so there's times um, as I've matured in the league and we got older I'll tell my coaches I don't really need the shooting time like I'll come shoot maybe 10 free throws just to fill the ball. Right. and that two hours I usually spend preparing by the time I get to the before, I'll honestly, I already do a lot of mental preparation, but I'll do even more, especially on the second night of back-to-back because I know that I need to save my body and just continue to run the game through my head and kind of find yourself. So I'm going to ask you this list of
0: rapid fire questions. What do you think about when you're lying in bed at night before you go to bed, before you fall asleep? What are your final thoughts at night?
1: Yeah, my final thoughts at night, I practice, my gratitude. But I try to just focus on five things that I'm grateful for throughout the day. And then those main things I'm grateful for each and every day, such as my family, and just the ability to see another day. But I always try to come up with five new ones.
0: I love that, I love that. And that's such an important practice. Sri Kumar Rao, who's one of our teachers here at Valley, he says it's one of the most important practices you can have expressing gratitude before going to bed. Now let's talk about the morning. You now wake up in the morning. What do you do? What's that
1: practice like? You mentioned Six Face, you mentioned prayer. Tell us a little bit about that. For me, how it looks when I wake up, try not to set my alarm clock. I I wake up to whether it's soothing music, I have rain beats on like instrumentals or just jazz. I try to wake up like that. have nice water taking the day. I try to be inspired by something, whether it's God's word immediately or an inspirational quote. And then from there, I kind of go through my stretching. I have like a balcony, so I really kind of open the door and just take in the sound. Of nature while I'm stretching, make sure I'm focused on my breath. And then I go into my meditation. After all that, I feel like that's like 15, 20 minutes. And then I kind of take in myself of trying to listen to myself, listen to my thoughts. And the more I can do that and kind of settle myself, the easier my day kind of runs smoothly and kind of carries it through. And the days that I miss that, it's, it's kind of a hard search You're to try find- to Right, It is like sports. It's like if I don't do the things I need to pregame. It's hard to find my rhythm, but if I just take care of the things beforehand, the game kind of runs itself, the game of life. Right. That's so, so fascinating. Now, how did you discover the sixth phase? So when I first got traded to Detroit, we had a trainer named Arnie Kander, who's kind of a legend for the organization, and he stepped away for a few years, just kind of went to another team and retired, and then he came back right before my fourth year. So I was talking to him kind of throughout my first year, kind of got me back on the meditation I did a little bit in college and when he got away I was doing it for like a year without uh Arnie Kander and just kind of getting away from him more and I experienced those injuries while he was gone so luckily my agency did a great job and the team organization they all kind of retched back out to him got right. in contact and he's working with the team again and just spending time with them. that was at a point like, I knew I couldn't work physically like when I kept being hurt but I wanted to get better and he kept Ask me like mental things. I challenged my mental, like how am I getting better? What are the little things I do? And the more that he kept asking me, and the more I kept kind of just challenging myself and thinking about it, the binaural beats when it was big and he got me into it years before. So I I just kept practicing and kind of kept going down the rabbit hole and going further and further, and it's just been working. That's amazing. I'm so happy to hear that. I'm
0: curious, when you do phase four and the sixth phase, where you're visualizing your future, what are some
1: of the things that you visualize? Uh, one thing has actually kind of happened is when I started. It's funny, is I've envisioned playing with one of my best friends in the NBA, which is uh, Paul George. Didn't know how it was going to happen. Didn't know what jerseys were going to wear. Uh-huh. But now we're actually we're playing together here in, for the Clippers. So
0: amazing! Yeah. That's yeah. crazy.
1: Credit to the medicine. Right. At the time that I did it, I just envisioned being healthy. Like my body wasn't healthy. Mentally, I had started to suffer because. I kind of had this sickness I was dealing with, and I just envisioned someone helping me. That was one of the biggest things I had was, like, someone's going to come and help me figure out what's going on with my body. I feel like I take a lot of pride in, like, trying to eat right, trying to sleep, trying to do the right things, but I couldn't seem to recover, and my body was failing. It felt like it was failing me. So we had got a new regime, front office, after I started practicing, and actually the wife is very prominent, wife of one of our front office execs. She just came to me randomly. She like, you sweat. You're like, your sweats looks different. Didn't take it like big. Didn't know what it meant and just kind of stuck with me. And she kept being persistent like every day I'd see her. She's like, ah, something just looks off. And I was like, the more I keep envisioning like getting healthy, there's this person that keeps pushing me to get better. And it took her like a year. And I finally went and seen the doctor, like the right doctor who helped me solve this problem in Denver. Like I said, I was like, I'm just trying to manifest little things, like asking for little blessings and, I don't know how they come, but it just seems to happen. I just continue to have the faith. I continue to practice the meditation. Wow. Like I said, it's kind of like you have it in your mind, kind of how things are going to go. Even as a kid, like my vision. I envision having have one of my best friends being in the NBA. And I'm a military kid and I moved a lot. So it's kind of hard to have friends and keep seeing them. So I was like, I always envision I had one of my best friends being in the NBA. And years later, when I first got in the NBA, like me and Paul George <laughs> That's amazing. were like really, really close. Somehow we just kept being close and getting closer and closer, and then I'm always happy for success, but I was like, I saw this as a kid. I remember I told him one time, I was like, I saw you, you were in my life before we actually met. So I want to ask
0: you another question, because you touched on this, right? Now, you said God is important to you. You mentioned that you see yourself getting daily blessings, and phase six of the sixth phase is actually called the blessing. And... I think a lot of people do that in different ways. I actually inserted that as phase six because I recognize that billions of people around the world have a religious belief. They believe in Jesus or they believe in their cultural religion. And I wanted to show that the sixth phase isn't different from that. In phase six, you ask for that blessing. If you're open, I'd love to ask you, what do you do in that final phase? How do you
1: close the meditation and bring in your beliefs? I don't see it as being different. Like prayer and meditation are like so hand in hand to me. That was the beautiful thing about starting your Mind Valley program and search was, as I kept trying to ask myself for these questions about prayer and more about religion, it's a sense of self. Cause I'm like, even with like, if the Holy Spirit's inside of you, like you have to be getting creation from somewhere, from God. So it's just feels it like I have to search for the word, but I also have to search for myself and I have to keep the connection very much there and realistic. And the more that I can connect to the energy of the world or to my God for me, right, easier it is to actually manifest these blessings. I love that you shared that. I think so many people are afraid to speak about that
0: right now, that we are connected to a higher power, that we have a guidance or a guide. Right now, I'm relaunching the Silva method. And the Silva method was created by Jose Silva. He was a Texan, man of Mexican origin who pioneered this mind science system. And Jose Silva's work through The Silva Method influenced me. It was used by lots of sports players as well back in the day in the 70s and 80s. And a lot of Jose Silva's ideas have incorporated into Mindvalley. And so we're launching the new Silva Method. Jose died in 1999, and I'm bringing that work out. And he said the same thing. I mean, he was a religious man, and he believed that there is a higher power that is always supporting us. He called it your higher self or your higher intelligence and that you can ask things of this power. You can unify with this power. And when you ask for support from this
1: power, you're more likely to manifest that which you're visualizing. And I think a lot of people forget that. I agree. Like I said, I think it's the beauty. It's easy for me to be more content where I'm at now. I used to feel like I searched for so many answers. Not mean, I'm not searching and I'm not trying to figure out how to get back. I think I used to ask the wrong questions and the, the more, I've gotten to understand. Like I said, practicing compassion, knowing that we're all one. We're all we're all different, but we're all the same. And the more I understood that, and realized we all come from, like I said, the same place. We all got higher being. We all have a purpose here. Is it makes it easier. All I have to do is ask for it. And if I ask for clarity, there's like certain things I take care of each every day. And if I ask with clarity and make the right map, then the answers will be given to me. All our blessings have already been created, and they're here for us to receive. It's just Finding the right way to ask one to receive them. Have you done any other Mind Valley programs other than the six
0: phase? I did the six phase and I did speed reading. Speed reading, awesome. I'm going to send you Silver Ultramine. I'm going to send you Silver Ultramine. I think you'd really like that and be extraordinary. I think you'd really okay. enjoyed it as well. I'm going to add that to your account. But I have a final question for you. I read about how you had tendonitis, right? And you had to have PRP injections in your knee. Now, that really resonated with me because I have tendonitis, I'm still recovering from it. And I've had PRP injections in my knee as well. So when I read that, I'm like, wow, we've gone through the same thing. I'm curious, how did you rebound from that? What was the mental frame? Because I know that injury took you out for a while, but how did you put yourself in the right mental attitude so you could heal?
1: I actually had to have it twice. So I've done it and I was a little younger. The second time around, right, I think after an ankle injury. So kind of just sitting, learning to sit still learning to still understand that everything happens for a reason and stop fighting the process, I think. That was the big thing, I, I kept fighting the process and I was injuring myself more than understanding. All right, my body's trying to tell me I'm hurt. It's sending me signals that something needs to be done. Trust that I have a great team to diagnose and figure out and then just rest. I think that's the hard thing. Right. Like, I had to learn to sit still and just know that I'm getting better. and I think that's a hard thing even with meditation is for people to sit still and be like, can I get better just sitting still? That's one of the hardest things they had to learn for me. And I had to change my perception on what meditation was. Like I, I worked on a lot. I've had psychological coaches over the years, and it's really helped. But my first perception was I have to be moving to get better. So like I have to lift on my leg. I have to do everything to get 100% well the second time was got the shot and figured out, all right, I have deficiencies somewhere else. Like my knee is suffering the problem, but it's not necessarily the problem. It's everything else around it. Whether it was like my IT band, people don't understand, like it could be too tight, your calves, ankles on the other side. So it was funny when I sat still, I, I felt more knots, like and felt more pain elsewhere than where I actually had the shot. So the more I, I just listened to my body. I came up with the right questions to ask. So I'd go up and be like, for some reason, my quad doesn't feel right. Like, it's just hurting. Then we'd do more work on that, and we'd strengthen. And then I was like, my calves are hurting. So when they walked me through like the framework of the body, it was interesting that finally when I sat down, and like I said, I sat down, sat still, and I wrote out my thoughts and like how I'm feeling throughout the day, I was given many of the signals to ask the right questions to give to the right people to actually cure the problem.
0: Yeah, you're right. A lot of people think you heal yourself with your mind, but that's not always the case. What often happens is your mind guides you to the right healers, new therapies, medical professionals. And yes, your mind does have a healing effect on the body, but there's also a compass mechanism. It's intuition. And when you have the right intention, you're in the right state. You get guided towards the right healers.
1: Yeah, it all ties together. Like it's interesting, like meditating and the speed reading to me was like when I had to yeah. sit back and reflect. This one simple thing that we learn, we forget, it was like maps. I you just talking about like mind mapping. Right. How much has your reading speed gone day. up after Jim Quick's course? Oh, it was crazy. I went from like 150 to, I think I doubled it.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. I got to share that with Jim Quick.
1: He's going to really appreciate that. <laughs> Yeah, and I enjoyed it. But the best thing wasn't, it wasn't that the reading is great that it went up. Like the speed was amazing. It was the ability to comprehend. So I remember when I first got my license, a lot of people went up. Like, I got my license at 16. I lived in Colorado. And my brother was in Florida at the time. And he needed a car. And I remember as soon as we got the license, like my dad was like, all right, we're going on a road trip. We're taking your brother a car. And he was older. And I was like, oh, crap. Like, this doesn't suck. But the first thing he showed me was the map of how we were going to get there. Like he stayed up mostly through the nights, but I remember one night he kind of fell asleep when we were driving through the South, and like going, I think we were like in Arkansas, and I felt confident because I had already seen the map. I was already led to my destination. I think that was like my meditation, how I start my day, how I think about my meditation, how I think about the game that I play now is, like it's all the same game. It's the more I can map it out, the more I can shape it, the more I can put in my thoughts, Like, yeah, my thoughts are the vision. So the more I can make the map, the easier it is to get to my final destination. You might go off detour a little bit, but you can ultimately get to where
0: you want to be. Reggie, man, okay, that's a beautiful metaphor. If you ever do a TED Talk, okay, that's your TED Talk. This (laughs) metaphor of the map, that is your TED Talk. That is some powerful, that's a powerful idea. That's extraordinary. And guys, please go follow Reggie on Instagram. He's one of the most positive, inspiring sports stars in the world. Reggie, do you still do the six phase every day now?
1: Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. I woke up today and I'm like, we're about to talk about what is it exactly? And I seen the six phase meditation. I'm like, have I practiced six phase meditation? I'm anxious about doing this talk with vision, but deep down inside, like my intuition, I'm calm. Like, I know I should be calm because I've done it. I started laughing because I was like, I did (laughs) this is something I did like four years ago and now I do every day, but. I had forgot it was the six phases. It was like, it just had started becoming so regular. It was
0: Yeah, it became part of your life for four years. That's so cool. How are you nervous talking to me? I should be nervous talking to you. <laughs> the world needs more people like you, right? Who are such positive role models and are so optimistic and bright because your message can like inspire so many people. And I hope you do a TED Talk someday. And if you do that TED Talk, I'm telling you, I work with so many speakers. That whole story about the map, there's something in there. And I know you just spontaneously came up with it, but there's something in there. If you're ever asked to speak to a group of like high schoolers or, or to inspire young, young people, share that story. It's amazing. That inspired me. Anyway, it was great having you on Instagram, Reggie.
1: Oh no, I appreciate you having me on and everything you're doing. Folks, thank you for listening. Don't forget to
0: leave us a review for the Mind Valley Podcast, and I'll see you next week. Go to com forward slash now to get started.